Hey, we're back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. And yes, Kevin is not with us yet again today. I have never seen him miss three consecutive days of work, Mike. With a weekend. With a weekend included. I've never seen anything like this from Kevin. Again, the most significant throat injury in radio history is what we're dealing with at the moment. So if you want to send some good vibes to him, you absolutely can. You can hit him up on Twitter. Uh, and Mike, what is your suggestion to say to him today? Deal with it, okay. man. Like, <laughs> at what point are you just going to deal with it? All right. Yeah, that's a great. I appreciate Jeez. that one a lot. Yeah, fight through it a little bit, bud. I mean, I know we have 143 sick days saved up here, but. Is it? Have you counted up the, the I hours? I You think I know my passwords to see all that <laughs> stuff that they want me to know? I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's like seven or 800 hours at this point. So, yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. All right. So, 877-881-1053. Text into the truckwreck.com text line and answer the question. Is this is this Mike McCarthy's last string, the last thread that he has to hold on to as Kellen Moore and Doug Nussmeyer are now gone? So that is, Mike, that's something that you were talking about last week that I agreed with for sure was, look, your quarterback's coach can't be the same guy either. Like, if you're going to move yeah. on from Kellen Moore, that's fine, but the quarterback's coach can't be here either because that's the guy that's working each week to make sure that this guy is the best quarterback, that he knows what he, the things that he's supposed to be doing and communicating. Right. That. To Doug Nussmeyer, I'm not happy he got fired, but he's the one guy who only cares about Dak Prescott. Kellen Moore has to obviously care a lot about Dak Prescott, but he has to care about the whole offense. He has to care about the game plan and uh, clock management at times and how to help out his defense if they feel like they're getting fatigued. So there's a lot that the offensive coordinator has, but yes, he has to have a great relationship with his quarterback, knows his strengths and weaknesses. But I felt like at this point, I don't know this. I think Dak, I know that Dak's a very hard worker from everything we hear. Is I do think this is a shot, though, more at Dak. I think a lot of people are reading this as a shot at McCarthy. This is it. But I think if McCarthy wins 10 games and makes the playoffs, he gets to be the coach again. Yeah. I know that Dak's going to be the quarterback for a long time. At least my opinion is I know that maybe G-Bag Nation, Gavin Dawson feels a little bit differently about that. But I think Dak's going to be the quarterback the next four years uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. I agree. But I do think this is a shot at Dak. Dak, one of your better friends on the team was Kellen Moore. Now, I know he was your offensive coordinator, but, I mean, they are they are tight. They were backups together in 2016, and then Kellen Moore got hurt, luckily, in training camp, and it gave Dak the opportunity to become a starting quarterback and a dude who's going to make nine figures in his career playing football. But at the same time, I think Dak has to look at this. I think most players look at it this way. When a manager gets fired or a pitching coach gets fired, I can speak about being a Major League Baseball player, is – you feel for that person, especially if you like them, mm-hmm. because you feel like you got them fired. If you would have done better, if we would have done better as a unit, he wouldn't have got fired. Back. And so I'm wondering if Dak, I don't know this, if he's looking at this with Doug Nussmeyer and Kellen Moore going, man, I got to do better. Like I literally just not ruined people's lives, but changed people's lives because I couldn't figure out how to stop throwing interceptions. Some of them weren't his fault. Some of them were his fault. And so that's where I've, you know, kind of said, I felt like Dak Prescott became a drug addict this year, is that every press conference listening here on 105.3 The Fan with Broadus and Zach uh, at the uh, press conferences post-game, 
hey, I'm going to stop it. Don't worry. You won't see interceptions from me next week. And then you would. And then maybe a week later, you wouldn't. And you're like, see, I fixed it. And then the next week, it'd be two interceptions, one for a pick six. And you're like, what's going on? He's like, but don't worry. I'm going to get it right this week. And so I think that for Mike McCarthy, my opinion, as long as he makes the playoffs next year, he's the coach of the Dallas Cowboys in 2024. If he misses the playoffs, I do think he's in major trouble. Dak Prescott's the quarterback for, I think, four or five more years until he physically can't do it. But I do think it's a little bit of a shot at Dak going, Dak, we have to get rid of some of your comfort zones because your comfort zones caused you to not be as good of a quarterback as we wanted you to be. From the 254, Dak is the problem and he should be cut after the 2024 when the dead cap number is manageable. That's an option. Like, that is an option that you can say, hey, we can move on. And I guess that's another factor that you have to take in here. If... You're Mike McCarthy, and you made the decision to move on from Kellen Moore, who Jerry Jones loved him. The, the, the Jones family, they they were like, hey, look, we're keeping this guy around off of the Jason Garrett group. We're keeping this guy here. But now Mike McCarthy comes in and says, I want to do it my way. If, if, he's, if he walked in the door to get this job, this Mike McCarthy, that is, and said, I can win with Dak Prescott, then that pairing is never going to be not here. It's going to be it's going to be quarterback stays before coach is fired. That's like there's no way Mike McCarthy can win that one now. He can't sit there and say, "Hey, look, I I can't win with this guy." Cuz then you're that's like that's the whole part of it. Was you said you could come in here and win with this quarterback. We kept him around, we're moving on with him. We're going the future is with him. That was what you promised us. So we're moving on from that. So that would be something that would be gone later in the future would be Mike McCarthy. But I, I'm with you on the on the process of trying to figure out if it's Dak or if it's Kellen Moore. And everybody knew that it was that was Kellen Moore had met his wall. That was it for him. He walked as far as he could go with Dak Prescott. And now Dak Prescott has to learn with Mike McCarthy, I'm presuming. Because the story that we heard from David Moore yesterday was that he will be calling the plays. Mike McCarthy has said many times that the play caller should also be the guy that's installing it throughout the week. So there are a bunch of lists up right now of potential offensive coordinators. I don't know what their jobs are going to be. But if Mike McCarthy says that he's going to be the one calling the plays, then he's going to mo- move forward with it. This offense is going to look very different. Uh, I'm not Again, I, we can go through the list of all these potential offensive coordinators. But I do, I do think this is a very last-ditch effort to keep the job, Show I can do it. Again, if you have a 12-win winning season again, Mike, and then get ousted in the playoffs one more time by, let's say it's San Francisco, another time, and your offense looks as bleh as it did on uh, the last two times against them, then you do you have to look at yourself and say, we have the big problem. It is the quarterback. But if you're if, but you, this is the opportunity to try and figure that out. That's where I sit with Mike McCarthy taking over the role of that is. Yeah. You gotta, you, I think Jerry loves the 12 wins. I think he loves having the 12 wins every year. I think he hates that they can't get past that next round. They, they, they don't look better in the playoffs in these moments either. I hear you. I just don't think in a weird way, I don't think any of our sports in DFW, and I know we're talking about the Cowboys here, so I'll be specific with the Cowboys. I just don't think it's a cutthroat organization. I don't, think I don't disagree. I don't think they're ran like if we don't make it to a conference championship or if we don't make it to the, the Super Bowl, then we, I'm making major changes because if we're not great and we don't perform great in the playoffs, I'm making changes. Jerry Jones has just never been that guy. 
he let Jason Garrett, every year with Jason Garrett, he was amazing at this. I'll, I'll give Jason Garrett credit. I think he's a below average coach in all ways in the NFL, but not horrible, just below average, is he would go 4-12 and 12 or 5-11 and 11 or whatever, and we'd go, well, you're getting rid of that guy, right? Yeah. And they'd say, yeah, but you know what? This was Jerry Jones. You know, the year before, they went 10-6. and six. And I, I'm gonna let I'm gonna see if he can get it back to ten and six, and he'd go twelve and four, and you're like, son of a gun, man, you know. And then Jerry gets rewarded by being like the executive of the year. So then the next year, hey, injuries happen, they have a bad year, they don't make the playoffs. He's like, yeah, but remember when I put all the pressure on him and he went twelve and four? So I'm gonna keep him through that. And literally, Jason Garrett was able to keep his job for ten years as the head coach by just performing good every other year, and at times not even every other year, every third year he would perform good and keep his job. So I just think for Mike McCarthy, I do think there's a little less leash on him than Jason Garrett. He wanted Jason Garrett to really be his Tom Landry, yeah, where he never he really had to did. worry about it. He thought about in 1995, Jerry had that dream that this is going to be the guy I never have to cut as the coach, and he's going to be my guy, except he just wasn't good enough. I just don't think Jerry's cutthroat. And so I hear what you're saying. I hear what all the Cowboy fans are saying. I hear you, Cowboy fans. If your organization was a cutthroat organization and said, I can't believe this, I can't believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are in their third Super Bowl and we haven't been in one and they've been in their like eighth NFC championship game and we haven't been in one in San Francisco's three out of four years with Jimmy G and Brock Purdy, uh, a seventh round rookie in the conference championship. But this organization's not cutthroat. Man, Mike, that's a that's a really interesting point. Not necessarily the the way the Eagles have been back and forth with it. Like they went, then they stunk. Like th- coming in coming into this year. And every single every single person out there was like, Cowboys are winning this division. There's the the Eagles are still far away. They're the they're the second place team, but they're likely gonna finish with this kind of record. Well then the quarterback just makes a magnificent jump into being better. Yeah. Whether it was offensive coordinator that knew how to how to utilize him better, whatever it was, their quarterback made that jump into that that world. And the Cowboys, I think, in the offseason were like, hey, we're good enough to compete with X, Y, and Z teams, but didn't realize that the Eagles would make this type of a run to be this good. And now, I saw Jared say it, now it looks like the Eagles' front office ran laps around the Cowboys' front office in this manner because they went out and got talent. Yeah. And so so because it's a copycat league and everybody reacts that way, now it's like, hey, you got to go buy free agents. You can't just build with from within. I mean, if you're Bill Belichick back in the day with Tom Brady, you got the right quarterback. They built from within. They were like, look, we're never going to be paying big-time free agents. We'll bring in guys. We'll do some things. But that's because we pay attention to details around here. It's, it's Isn't it amazing that they had a different coach, Peterson, they had a different quarterback in full slash Wentz, and five years later, they're in a Super Bowl with another coach and another quarterback? Yeah. And – they screwed up with um, – help me out here. He's the UCLA coach. He used to be the Oregon coach. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Like, they screwed up big time. And we thought as Cowboy fans, man, you know what happens when you screw up that bad? It takes you like two or three years to reset your draft situation. It takes you a couple of years to reset your salary cap situation. They're like, no, we'll be in the Super Bowl within two years. And then that all went south. They felt like the communication, the direction they were going went so south that they had to get rid of the coach. The quarterback wasn't good enough. And then they're back in the Super Bowl again. 
But I don't think to Jerry, as maybe disgusted as you are as a Cowboys fan, that the Eagles are back in a Super Bowl again in a totally different situation with a completely different roster. It doesn't discuss Jerry Jones. It does not discuss the Dallas Cowboys. It's like, oh, you know what? Here's their thing. They got lucky. They got fortunate. Everything worked out for them. They drew a lucky draw in the playoffs. And what are we supposed to do? All we can do is hope for luck. Yeah, no, I... I don't. I agree with you, Mike. I don't think that when Jerry Jones wakes up and looks at, uh, I don't know what's in his room that reminds him that he's the owner of the Cowboys and that he gets to make the decisions. A gold bed. Okay, his golden bed. I don't think that he wakes up and looks at his golden bed and goes, I have to get to work today to ensure that this crap never happens again. I think every Cowboys fan out there, like that's what we, we get... In these conversations right here in this room, and then we're broadcasting over 100,000 watts to all the Tolos out there in Cowboys Nation, and everybody's fighting. I mean, you look at the fan text right now. Thousands upon thousands of texts with different opinions about how ticked off they are and what they need to do to fix this thing. You don't run the Cowboys. And, (laughs) And you're pissed off. That guy probably isn't as mad. I'm sure he's upset. But, man, there are some hungry that really you have to be very, very hungry to go make some big, bold moves like the Eagles did. Right. And they were hungry for that. They're, they have a GM who can be fired very quickly yeah. by his owner. And he's like, I have to make these moves for the best nature of this team. So I had a good time toloing this weekend, and I was listening to Kevin Gray and Chris Arnold. And, look, Chris Arnold kind of laid it out. And I agreed with some of his points and some of his points. I was like, well, I mean, Philadelphia does have a $1.7 million quarterback, so they have more money to use than the Cowboys do because Dak is making so much money. But at the same time, I agree with Chris Arnold. What he said over the weekend is, at this point, you have to sell out for Dak because Dak is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, he could be a Hall of Fame quarterback if somehow he miraculously pulls off winning two Super Bowls in the next, let's say, He probably has six to max eight years left in his career. So if he wins two Super Bowls, like Eli Manning, you get into the Hall of Fame. So he could still be a Hall of Famer, but he has to pull off something that a miracle that nobody thinks is going to happen. And that would be the Cowboys win two Super Bowls in, let's just say, the next seven years. But what Chris is saying and what I also believe in, too, is we do not have a future Hall of Fame quarterback. He's going to be in a category of, He was solid in his time. He was an above-average quarterback when he played in the NFL in his time, but nothing special. And so when you have a nothing special quarterback but an above-average quarterback, you have to sell out. You Mm -hmm. have to say, you know what? We have to do everything, Paul. If we need to trade future first-round picks, if we need to screw up the cap in 2025 because we're going to go after it in 23 and 24, that's what we have to do. Because if we don't do that, which the Cowboys won't, You will never win anything. And Dawson has been talking about this. I'm reiterating a couple guys up here. And I think if you've seen Dak play over his seven years, you know this. He's good. He's not great. He cannot carry a team in the playoffs. He has to have greatness around him. He cannot take Valdez Scantling, uh, Sky Moore, and Slomo Glickstein and figure out a way how to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. He can't do that. He put up 12 points in his last playoff game with – what we believe, they don't have a number two receiver they on have the a number team. Number one, they have a bunch of tight ends. Right. They then they and had so, like uh, Sean said, a fullback at running back for most of that game. In a weird way, as much as Jerry has upset me, Jerry really needs, if we wanted to do this, take the reins away from Stephen Jones, who's so scared about 2026 that he won't commit to 2023. So you're saying give it to Charlotte 
and let her maybe, make the bold decision. Maybe so, but there has to be. I don't want Jerry making personnel decisions, oh, okay. but I want them to tell Will McClay because that's who I really want. Will McClay's a real person. A, like a, well, they're all real people. <laughs> He's a person who can fix a football team. I really believe it. But you'd have to tell him, Will, I don't care about the cap in 2026. Screw it all up. I don't care about our draft picks in 2023 through 2026. Trade them all if you need to. Give me the best football team in the NFL on paper, and hopefully in that two- to three-year period as we're screwing everything up in the future, we get a championship out of it. Man, there's more of that to come. Coming up next, the Super Bowl has been decided. Did you get the one you wanted? Does it change the way you feel about your team? Next on The Fan. Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan, Corey Majors and Mike Bassick. We also have Joey with us as well. Kevin still suffering from uh, a very severe throat injury, uh, potentially more. And also, don't forget today, during Mike Likes It, we are lucky to have him here with us. Uh, so you might want to you know, keep it locked in for 1240 because it's a very interesting story that I think you need to hear the odds right now for Kansas City and the uh, and the Super Bowl MVPs and everything's going around right now, Mike. It is Philadelphia Eagles minus two and a half, Kansas City Chiefs plus two and a half. That means that makes a lot of sense there. Over <laughs> under at fifty. So fifty for the Eagles Chiefs game and fifty for the Chiefs Eagles game. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate yeah. you pointing that one out. So yeah, there you go. That's the uh, where the current odds right now are. I. Do you presume that that would change at some point in the next couple of weeks, depending on Mahomes' foot or ankle? Eagles by two to three points. I think it'll stay right there. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, From the 469, Stephen is right. You have a better chance in 2026 than in 2023. Uh, That's an interesting approach for Cowboys fans. I'd say if you believe that, then you start trying to trade off as many pieces that you don't believe will be here in 2026. And I I don't know where I would start with my roster for that other than like Tyron Smith. And there are some things, but there. This team does a very good job of keeping young talent around, right? Like they keep them on their rookie contracts and then they overpay them whenever their next contract comes up. So they're pretty good at, at making making sure that happens. They didn't do it with Byron Jones, which turned out to be a smart move. They were like, hey, I mean, if I guess if you had Byron Jones opposite Diggs, that would be nice right now. And then you could probably move on from that contract. But there are a lot of things there. 877-881-1053. Did you get the Super Bowl that you wanted? I, I really wanted the Bengals uh, to to win against the Chiefs, Mike. That was that was the uh, why because I I like Joe Burrow and the trio of receivers. I think it's a fun team. It's an underdog story more than anything. The Chiefs for me are definitely the overdog. They're like, dude, they've been there as often as you could possibly get there. It's it's sickening almost that Andy Reid continues to be this great of a coach yet only has one Super Bowl to his name. Like this dude is an NFC championship aficionado. He knows more about it than most coaches out there, maybe save for Bill Belichick. He goes all the time, and he's back in the Super Bowl. It's one of those things where I just feel it's like, okay, titled and privileged, they got it all. I wanted the Bengals who are, they built their team the right way. They said, we're going to you know, continue to grow with this thing, add Joe Burrow. All right, what do we do next? I didn't, I didn't love the Jamar Chase edition. Because I was like, you got to block for this guy. And they've still proven they can't do that that great. And then they get Jamar Chase. It's a fun team for me. I, I enjoyed last year, too. 
So I didn't get the one I wanted, but I still think this is there's going to be some juicy storylines with this one with Jalen Hurts going up against, you know, the Chiefs in a big game and Andy Reid playing against his former team for a Super Bowl championship. I guess for me, I was rooting for Kansas City, uh, Patrick Mahomes and his story and just kind of really falling in love with him through Texas Tech and uh, now through here. It wasn't going to be the end of the world if uh, Cincinnati won. I was going to root for whoever won in the AFC in the Super Bowl, whether it's Cincinnati or Kansas City. But I was rooting for Patrick Mahomes uh, there. The other one I was disappointed with, first of all, it was such a crap game that I didn't really watch the second half. I needed to run an errand. Dude, at halftime, was I was like, I can't watch this Josh Johnson play quarterback anymore. <laughs> and then I find out Brock Purdy's back in the game handing the ball off 100% of the time. And I turned it on. I was like, okay, I can't watch. This looks like a high school team without a quarterback trying to play a good high school team. Like, it's just, this is miserable. Did you, did you feel like... And I still don't feel... And I just don't want the Eagles to win. Like, they are such a better organization than the Dallas Cowboys. As much as, yes, I want the Cowboys on, to be better. what did you just say? They're just such a much better organization. Like, how? They win way more than well, the So Dallas. you're saying, like, the front office is better? Yes. Their personnel, they, they draft better? Uh, I won't say draft okay, better, because I do think the Cowboys talent. do... Yeah, they, they use all the NFL uh, things. They actually do trades. They actually use uh, free agency because, help me if I'm Hassan Reddick, right? That wasn't their draft pick, That was right? an addition to this. Wasn't that yeah. Arizona Cardinals? Like, yeah. he didn't work out there. Am I correct about yep. his career? Yep. Because I'm like, damn, wasn't he horrible with the Cardinals? Because I was hoping that they would be a better team. And then this Hassan Reddick's just wrecking shop everywhere in Philadelphia. And they're like, yeah, they, they use free agency. They use trades. They did trade for a safety to make them better uh, better at that position. They have they, they they definitely did, and they I mean they added James Bradbury in the offseason. I heard Bobby t- talking about this this morning. He like he's the guy. I don't know if you remember this. He's the guy that Amari Cooper, his rookie season, he like was just standing there, and Bradbury fell over because he was so afraid of Amari Cooper. And the Giants were like, we're moving on from him. And the Eagles said, we'll pay you a million dollars. And he's turned out to be a quality cornerback for him. That's what they've done so far. So, yeah, I, I didn't I wasn't saying why, like, I didn't believe you. I wanted to yeah, yeah. I wanted to know, like, yeah, they use every arm they can to add talent to their team. They've been to NFC championship games with Donovan McNabb. They've been there with Nick Foles. Now they've been there with Jalen Hurts and heck. Maybe they went one time before, and I'm totally forgetting that they went there with some other jabroni that they had. But it's just it's frustrating, I think, to just see the success of that organization because it used to be, uh, you know, by 2000, you just said, look, Eagle fans, they don't like us because how much more successful we are than them. But now you're if you're 25 years old, you've lived through where they're just so much more successful than the Cowboys. Yes, the Cowboys have more fans. The Cowboys' value of their team is worth three more billion dollars yep. than the Eagles are. But at the same point, it doesn't – that's not – as fans, I don't care about the evaluation of the Dallas Cowboys. Like, oh, man, they are the highest team on Forbes. I don't give two S's about – what they are valued at. And I know that means the most to the Jones family, and it should. That's their major business that they have. But it seems like it's run on, well, as long as we're worth the most and we have the most fans, we win. 
where the Eagles organization is like, look, we're never going to be worth the most. We're never going to have the most fans. So let's try, so let's to, win. try to win. <laughs> and then that makes us relevant. Man, that is, that is a very interesting point of, you know, the desire to win and how much it affects, like, your your presence. Uh, the Cowboys already have the biggest presence always. I mean, look at – I'm guaranteeing you look at uh, the national shows today, you're going to see a Cowboys topic uh, over some other, some other topics. I've there. already seen it. It's a lot of, obviously, the offense. Yeah. Uh, that the, the Cowboys are part of. It's like, let's talk about the championship games. But it's like, hey, the Eagles are in. Who cares? That game was miserable. Hey, did you hear about the Cowboys? Kellen Moore's not coming back, and Mike McCarthy looks like he's calling plays. Dude, it's like that's the NFC picture right now. They released, and that is awesome for Jerry Jones. They released that story, Mike. Right? Was it middle of the game for the for the uh, the AFC Championship game? They were like, I believe All that's right. intentional. Yes, absolutely, it is. That's what they're good at. That's we might not win. be in this game, but watch, we're going to be more important than the two teams in it. It's wild, and so I guess. You know, when you're watching, let's go through the four teams real quick. Yeah. When you're watching the Chiefs, okay, are you that? Are the Cowboys that far away from the Chiefs? Because I've seen some people saying, yes, our team is nowhere even close to what the Chiefs are. I think in playoff time, you just can't compete because their quarterback is so much better than your quarterback, and Dak's a good quarterback. Yep. It's just not anywhere close when you look at the quarterback situation. He will figure out a way. To beat you, and he might even figure out a way with the Cowboys to destroy him. And in a big game, the Chiefs' defense was able to get five sacks yeah. like that, and, and they had some significant plays throughout that game, forced two interceptions. Like the Chiefs, they are a good roster. They're a very good roster with an elite quarterback. I would give the Cowboys this, and I'll ask you this question: If you played at Arrowhead in the playoffs, the Cowboys, and I'll say, like, obviously Tony Pollard is healthy. He doesn't have a destroyed leg, but I also have to say that Kansas City's healthy. They have their top three wide receivers going into the game. I think the Cowboys would win one out of the five times. I do think Cowboys are good enough. If you played them five times in a row, the Cowboys could beat them one time. They would play a great game and that the Chiefs would be like, man, they just played great, and we just couldn't match that. But I think four out of five times you're going to lose because – Patrick Mahomes is going to be so much better than your quarterback. Okay, then I'm going to go over across the field last night. I do you agree do you think that it would be one out of 5 times with the Bengals or is it different for you? Do you think that they would maybe you know have a 2 to 3 series or 3 to 2 in Arrowhead? I don't think you're better than Cincinnati right now. Um why? Their quarterback's way better. Yeah. It's not close. There's nobody today after that game or after this playoff run right yeah. now that's saying, what's wrong with our quarterback? Or we have to replace our quarterback? Or something's wrong with our offense? They are walking into Bengals fans, maybe not the bandwagon fans like the mayor, uh, but the Bengals fans are walking in today and they're like, man, we went to the Super Bowl last year. It stinks. We got they're get, They got screwed is the way they're yeah. looking at it today. They're all saying Joe Burrow forever. Like, that's where they are. Nobody's saying what Cowboys fans they, are saying about that. They came in with a 10-game winning streak or an 11-game winning streak? Uh, the it's, Niners? No, I no, believe, the okay. Bengals. They, they'd won 10 or 11. I'll check real quick, yeah. Coming into that, because the other game was a forfeit, or, you know, they didn't oh, yeah, play. That's so, right, yeah. Uh, and they would have won that game, too. So you just look at what they did, going to Buffalo and destroying them. I would say, looking at the way the Bengals were playing at the end of the year versus Cowboys losing by 20 to Washington, 
uh, not playing well against Tennessee, even though you won by two touchdowns, I would say they'd win four out of five in this playoff run. Ten-game winning streak all the way back to the ba- the Browns in October 31st. So so. I don't think you were going to beat the Bengals, but I give the Cowboys, they did beat them early in the year. Yes. And the Cowboys, if they play great, they're very tough to beat. You know, and go back to that Cooper Rush time period. A lot of people, I think there's some revisionist history on what happened. Man, Cooper Rush did make some plays. There were some times where you asked him to win a game for you, the Bengals game being one of them. But don't forget the effort that you got out of your defense in those games. You had, what, two games that you held the opponent to 10 points? Most of those games you were holding the opponent to 17 points or less. You lose to the Eagles because you could only score 17. They scored 26 on you. Your defense carried you through that. I'm not going to sit here and say that it was Kellen Moore and them creating offense with Cooper Rush. Yeah, they were able to do the right plan. That was what Mike McCarthy said was we got to play better uh, complimentary football, complement our defense because we know our defense is going to have to fight their butts off. The Eagles, you, I guess, I'm guessing you feel like they are a class amongst themselves compared to the rest of the NFC right now. Is that – I? because I, I, I don't think the Cowboys – maybe the Cowboys would have beaten the Eagles on Sunday. I don't know. They have a – Maybe because there's confidence there. But yeah. like at San Francisco, you played them last year with Jimmy Garoppolo who played horrible and you lost. You played them against Brock Purdy who all he did was not turn over the ball. Like Brock Purdy did not play great against you. All he did is not make a major mistake. Yeah. And you still lost to him. Because you made the major mistakes. And so – I think if you play San Francisco, now obviously if you play them and they have to run the ball 100% of the time, every, I think honestly yesterday uh, the Houston Texans would have had a chance of beating. If Brock Purdy gets hurt on the first series, I do think the Houston Texans in that game have a chance of beating San Francisco. That's how bad it had become with uh, what San Francisco had left on offense. They couldn't score unless you just got one of – not the best ever run, but just that was an unbelievable run by Christian. McCaffrey. Yeah, it was. It was really nice. He uh, Four <laughs> people he made slash miss or run through their tackle. So that was the only way they scored and the only way they really moved the ball. So that wasn't really fair to San Francisco. But we've seen the last two years, you're 0-2 against San Francisco. Philadelphia, to your point, maybe the Cowboys a little bit have their number because Dak didn't get to play against Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts didn't get to play against Dak. And maybe, but watching what Philadelphia did in their two games, I don't think you're going to Philadelphia this year in the playoffs. And you, I, you know what? The more I think about it, well, not just the two games, Mike, just watching the way that they ran through the, NFs, the NFL this year. Like, they were really good all season long, and maybe they never got truly tested. Maybe you're right. Even in the playoffs, they never truly got tested and here they are. The Chiefs are going to be their final their final exam to see if they can get over the top on that one. But they've made everybody else look bad. The Niners, you saw. You had your opportunity. You had your chance. It was the quarterback that kept you from doing it. He didn't hate. He didn't deliver. He got turnovers that were costly. The offense wasn't was inept. They couldn't do what they needed to do, and that was a problem for them. Man, lots of texts coming in about this team from the two one four Eagles are overrated and had the easiest road in history uh, in the NFL to the to the Super Bowl. Uh, Johnson, oh, I can't read that one. Uh, we beat the Eagles if we play that game from the two one four. Are there any good quarterbacks okay. coming out from the two one four? I want to stop right there, and maybe it's for a, a bigger segment. The Cowboys would have been going in there without Tony Pollard. He broke his leg. Yeah. So you can't put him back on the team. If you would have had the comeback, you still saying that with with no, with literally having no running back going to Philadelphia. So no Tony Pollard. The way that 
I just I can't see the Cowboys going in there and winning. I think they're looking at like the Cowboys playing like they did against yeah. Tampa or the Cowboys yep. playing like they did against Minnesota. But if you were going in there without Tony Pollard and you're going in there with your wide receiver core, I just don't I don't see how they were going to go to Philadelphia and win. They would have been better than San Francisco, but I don't see how they would have won that game without Tony Pollard. Man, so many some from the uh, from the 903 Hertz is Dak on a rookie deal from the 214 Hertz is showing he won't turn the ball over. A lot of people say envying the Eagles fans, envying the Eagles organization right now here in DFW. Coming up next on the KNC Masterpiece, Baseball Nuggets with Mike Bassett. Thousands of people went out to Arlington. We want to hear from you. And how deep is the Rangers' depth? Next. Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. This uh, this Saturday, 2 p.m., Fan Bowl. Be there. All right? Be there for it. It's going to be so much fun. At... I'm getting there, Mike. All right. Saturday, February 4th, inside Revolver Brewing at Texas Live. We've got more details rolling out, but it's going to be at 2 o'clock. We're going to have round tables. The whole station's going to be there rocking along. Maybe Kevin. Nobody knows uh, because Kevin Kevin has to defend his title. That's the thing. That's what Kevin's probably saving up for right now. Trying to, He's got to defend his title. Yeah, he's much. practicing, just hanging it. He's like, I can't do anything but focus on practice and uh, and that's where he is right now. So I can't wait to hang out with all the Tolos out there, have a good time. I'm sure a lot of people are going to come up to us and talk about how Kellen Moore's offense wasn't any good. He's a stale cracker or whatever, anything like that. You know, he's they're going to have all sorts of opinions. I can't wait to get all those opinions. If you have, if you've been wanting to say something directly to our faces, and you're like, I I text in all the time. Y'all never answer my texts. Show up at Texas Live for Fan Bowl, and you can say it right to our face. Right, Mike? Yeah. It's time for Baseball Nuggets with Mike Bassett. All right. So, text in. I'm on, obviously, Twitch right now. Uh, text on in if you got to go out to Rangers Fan Fest on Saturday. It looks like thousands and thousands of people went out there for autographs, get to meet current players, coaches, uh, former players, the good ones. You know, not like people like me. I wasn't invited. Um, but... Uh, we were out there, obviously the fan was out there broadcasting and it looked like a great time. And I do think a lot of people are pretty darn excited about the upcoming Rangers season. I do think part of it, not to go off on a tangent here is the stars are doing well. So I think if you are a stars fan, I think you're pretty happy with the way things are going this year. But if you're a Mavericks fan, you're pretty disappointed with the way things are going. And you can see that this is not going to be a year that the Mavs, if they even make the playoffs, are going to do anything in it. So you start looking towards, all right, what's next? After the Cowboy season is over, obviously everybody will be concentrating on free agency and the draft and now the offensive coordinating stuff with the Dallas Cowboys. But I do think a lot of people went out to that ballpark on Saturday going, this is what I'm going to invest my April, May, June into because the Rangers spent a lot of money to try to make this a competitive team in 2023. Absolutely, man. So MLB has a list of the top 10 teams pitching rotation depth. Okay, so you've been going through this with like shortstop. We found out that Seager was eight or whatever. Now, this is different. So okay. they that's MLB's top 10 now. Okay. This is after you get past your starting five-man rotation because almost every year – at least one to three of your pitchers get hurt. So you have to dig into your sixth through 10th starting pitchers. And they're saying, 
when teams have to go to their sixth through tenth starting pitcher, gotcha, gotcha. Where do these teams rank? And they only rank ten. They do not rank all thirty teams. Well, the Rangers made the list, so that's good news. Really? So they're saying they are in the top third of pitching depth for starting pitchers in the major leagues. It says here the Rangers are tenth. Their sixth, seventh, and eighth starting pitchers, what they have here listed, are Jake Odorizzi, Dane Dunning, and Owen White. Says the Rangers went all out in free agency to improve their rotation, adding DeGrom, Evaldi, Heaney to the staff that already included John Gray and Martin Perez, who accepted a one-year qualifying offer. If you don't remember that, uh, that's Martin Perez. But considering the recent injury history to their big additions, the Rangers may need significant contributions from their depth options, including Odorizzi, who was acquired from the Braves via trade. The 32-year-old is a former All-Star, but his performance over the past three years, this is so funny because it makes it sound like it was bad, but does this sound bad if you're a Rangers fan? Over his last three seasons, he has a 4-4-5 ERA. Isn't that funny that, like, I'm like, no, 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 that's solid. But we've been going through some lean years of pitching with the Texas Rangers, Corey. Yes. So when they're like, look, I mean, he only has a 445 ERA in three years. I'm like, dude, that usually gets you like $15 million a year. That is not average as of last year, Mike. Last year's average was a 396. Okay. The year before, the four, the three years before, 424445. Okay. So that is interesting that the league average and ERA came down last year. Yeah. Well, when you swing for the fences and there's not many people on base, that changes things. Gotcha. So uh, in the pecking order here, it says, obviously, Dunning, who's a 28-year-old with a 94 ERA plus and a 1.4 whip over 305 innings at the big league level. White, ranked number 66 in MLB's prospects for 2023, could get a look at some point, too, though the Rangers haven't had much success with pitching prospects lately. Now, that being said, I don't know about Owen White, but you know another guy who I was kind of impressed with last year that I thought, oh, you know what, he's finally showing signs of potential and made it up to the major leagues, is Cole Reagans. Uh, and I know I'm not trying – this isn't a, a knock. I, I call him poor man's Cole Hamels because Cole Hamels is his favorite pitcher of all time. His mechanics are very yeah, much like Cole Yeah, you were pointing that Hamels. out when we watched him. I was so like, oh, he's right. He looks like kind of a replica of Cole Hamels, obviously not with the same success when Cole Hamels came up to the major leagues in 2006 or 2007. But I think you have that. You also have Glenn Otto, right? He's still in the organization unless I've lost my mind. So he's You still a, have Spencer Howard, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They still have Spencer Howard. I think I have a Spencer Howard card. Or Autographed. Yeah, so yeah, you that's, pulled that out of a pack. I'm yeah. kind of concerned. Like, is that the, I need to... But that being said, think of that. Now, I do not think Jack Leiter is going to spend one second in the major leagues this year unless he shocks us all in double A and starts putting up an ERA at about, let's say, for the first two months at two. And then you get into June and July, and he's still doing great things at double A slash triple A. He's going to start back in double A, but... If he goes at after two months, if they're like, look, he's doing so good in double A, let's push him to triple A and see if he can keep this up. Then maybe he could. But I think the plan is on how much Jack Leiter struggled last year. Let's keep him in the minor leagues all season. Let's start having him have professional success because pitching every fifth day at a very high level did not produce results. Can we can we at some point this week have a conversation about him and Rocker? Uh, sure. th this week, I would like to have to, to throw that in the in the loop. 
So I do think the Rangers have great depth because if you look at Odorizzi, Dane Dunning, and let's just leave Owen White out for now because he's a young guy who I do like. Don't get me wrong. I do like him. I still like Jack Leiter. I hope Kumar Rucker does great. The other dude you drafted, I'm sorry, high school guy, but he's like three to five years away that you used in the fourth round, kind of the double pick for um, uh, the agent, Scott Boris, that they worked out before the draft, is I look at the Rangers and I go, all right, there is good depth, and they do make a good point with the injury history that the Rangers have with, obviously, DeGrom and Evaldi. And last year, you saw John Gray needed a guy for 12 starts, right? He missed, I think, approximately 12 starts last year because of injury. So you look at it and you go, look, there's probably going to be, I hope not this many, but there's probably going to be 50 starts available during the season because of injuries to your rotation. I hope it's less, but I think you have to prepare for we're going to have to get 50 starts from other people that aren't in our five-man rotation. The Guardians, they say, have the ninth best depth, the Dodgers eighth, the Rays seventh, the Braves sixth, the Astros fifth, the Marlins fourth, the Brewers third, the Giants second, and the Mets first. So the good news is, is competing with your division. Astros, they believe, are better. I think you could make an argument that you might be better than them, but I understand. Look, they're coming off of winning the World Series. They've won the division so many times. They have more of a history of young guys coming up and being successful than the Rangers do over the last five-plus years. So I understand why MLB.com is saying, hey, we like the Astros, six, seven, eighth guys, which are Hunter Brown, Forrest Whitley, and Sean Dubin. I will say this, Forrest Whitley has been a complete and total bust at the high level of the minor leagues. He was supposed to already be in their rotation for over a year now. From the 903, does this mean we have a bullpen instead of a steer pin this year? And, Mike, I, I wanted to elaborate on that because you kind of – these three guys are – like, they can start. What do you do with them if they're not starting? Do you kind of float them in and out of minor leagues? Oda Rizzi will be in the major leagues. He okay. will be uh, your sixth starter. And let's be honest, probably all five guys won't come healthy out of spring yeah, training. It's just the way it is. So if Oda Rizzi's healthy, Owen White will be a starter at AA, AAA. I think AAA, but we'll see. Uh, Dane Dunning, he's an interesting case. Because the tough thing is if you put him into the bullpen – and I don't really like him much as a bullpen guy. In fact, unfortunately, this is where I fell into. He doesn't strike a lot of people out. Okay. Uh, so you got to get out of innings. Yeah, he's a also, long Also, and I don't know this, he is, for his career as a starter, he's a bad first inning pitcher. After the first inning, he becomes a lot better. Well, if you're a bad guy in your first inning out of the bullpen, you're a bad pitcher. <laughs> there's, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You're not getting a lot more than one inning. So do you send Dane Dunning to AAA and go, we want you to throw five to six innings every time you get the ball. So when we have an injury, you're stretched out to throw 100 pitches. If we put you in the bullpen and you're throwing anywhere from 17 to 40 pitches an outing, well, now when we start you, let's just say you get two injuries into your rotation. Odorizzi goes in and now you're like, we want to put Dunning back into the rotation. Well, his first start is going to be three inning start. Then his next start will be a four-inning start if everything goes well. And then his next start is a five-inning start. And that hurts your bullpen a little bit, too, when you're having to build an arm up in the major leagues by then just going, Glenn Otto most likely, you know, he's a better bullpen guy than Dane Dunning because – 
Glenn Otto can come out of the bullpen and I believe add miles an hour to his fastball because he's not using sinker slider mix. Gotcha. He can take that four seamer, ride it chest high and get swings and misses. He can take from there, throw a curveball off of that and get swings and misses out of the pen and be a, a power arm out of your pen. So I don't know what to do with Dunning. It's a great question. We'll find out as we get to spring training on what their plan is with Dunning. They'll, they'll prepare him as a starter. And if everybody's healthy or if five guys are healthy that they believe are better than him, it will be interesting if they put him in the pen or if they say, we want you to go to AAA so you're ready to start. So when you come up, you're able to pitch seven innings if you can pitch seven innings. The bullpen, quickly, I will say, is a big question mark. When they rank bullpens on MLB.com, and they already ranked the top 10 relief pitchers now. The Rangers obviously didn't have anybody on the list. You couldn't even consider anybody on the list nothing against Hernandez nothing against LeClerc uh nothing against Barlow but those guys didn't do enough last year to even be considered probably a top 20 relief pitcher in baseball and if you're gonna win 90 games and I believe the Rangers have a opportunity to win 90 games you have to have a closer that about 95 percent of the time is nails and gets that win when the win is there that guy 19 out of 20 times or so is getting that W for you. He has the save next to his name right now. I'm a little bit concerned with the bullpen. Uh, and it sounds like the Rangers are going to go into the pen or into the season with an unknown pen oh. and hope that it produces. And if everything else is producing offense is producing, starting pitching is producing. Then I have heard that they will try to use prospects to improve the bullpen if they prove that they're a winning team in 2023. Man, great stuff from Mike Bassick right there, and there's a lot to, to go through. Home of the Rangers right here on The Fan. Coming up next, Kellen Moore already has a new home, plus playoff porridge next to The Fan.